Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are back with Will and Grace Season 6, Episode 15, Flip Flop, Part 1. Ooh. There's a lot of flipping and flopping that's going to happen in Will and Grace's season. Flips and also flops. It's not even a presidential election year. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know what year it is anymore. Four? Three? No, two, it's four. One? It's got to be 2004 now. Yeah, I think it's 2004. So I guess it is an election year. Oh, man. Carrie probably was actively flipping and flopping while this episode was airing. Probably. How meta. Meta, indeed. All right, uh, Matthew, do you want to get into the episode description? I would be so honored. Great. Will and Grace begin a business venture selling apartments. Jack runs into his former acting mentor, Zandra. Karen and Lyle, John Cleese, try to renew romance. Okay. It's like two out of three on that one. I'll accept. I'll accept. Uh, so as we had kind of had foreshadowed for us last week, yeah. through some very ham-fisted B-plotting, uh, Will and Grace are going to go into business together, flipping apartments. Yeah, so after Grace flipped Karen's mother's apartment on mm-hmm. a very small budget and nicely made a profit off of it, she and Will said they're going to go into business together. This is not a bad idea, per se. I feel like home flipping is such a TV thing, though. I think it was also especially trendy at this time. Yeah. Like, was... I think this is, like, when home flipping not not started. People have been flipping homes since, you know... Homes existed. Since, you know, Caesar got his home flipped. You mean he got stabbed? Well, his house certainly got flipped afterwards. We don't know that. I think we know that. He was stabbed. Well, someone had to redo the place. Have you ever seen a production of Julius Caesar? That man's got terrible taste. Admittedly. Also, okay. there's blood on all the carpeting. But yeah, I think this is also very much in the, like, the trading spaces uh-huh. sort of era of entertainment where, like, home improvement is just a thing that we like to watch. Right. I mean, and home improvement is very entertaining. We mm-hmm. don't see any of it on this episode, of course, but... No, but it's implied. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Will and Grace have decided that, you know, they're going to buy places and then flip them and... They're going to try and make a profit. Mm-hmm. And that is where Zandra comes in. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting use of Zandra. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who may not remember, Zandra is Jack's acting coach from seasons past. In her subsequent appearances, she has gotten weirder and older, she, as many of us do. Yes, she's also sort of like a sentient ashtray is like the <laughs> best way I could describe her. It's like she just... She's just kind of gritty and gray and... <laughs> Ashy. <laughs> that is Full literally, literally the best description of any human being <laughs> or ashtray that I've ever heard. Yeah. So Zandra meets Jack again because she's in the hospital and Jack is student nursing. And through some misadventures, we learn that she has decided to sell her apartment mm-hmm. and move into the retirement home for actors. Now, that's definitely something that only exists on TV, but I'm not opposed at all because I think it's a hilarious conceit. I agree. That all these just like old washed up actors are just living together. Like whatever happened to baby Janeing around some like tenements on the Upper East Side. I actually think it's kind of great for Zandra that she's like apparently able to get into this retirement mm-hmm. home. Like she... She made that much of an impact. They've said her, at one point in the episode, she's been waiting her whole life to die at the retirement home. <laughs> yes. So she decides to move in and Jack is like, oh man, I have a great thing. I have some people who might be interested in buying your place. Mm-hmm. And so he brings it up to Will and Grace and they're extremely excited because it's in a nice area mm-hmm. and it's 
affordable and with a little TLC, it would be a, a very easy sell. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting setup for the episode because it's really neither of Will and Grace's jobs, per se. Yeah. But it's kind of something that it makes sense that they'd be good at. I mean, like, there's definitely a lot of legalese that goes into flipping homes. Right. And, like, Grace is an interior designer, so she yeah. has great taste. Yeah, so there's some decorating involved, too. Yeah. Like, in the revival, when Will goes into business with Grace, it feels weird. It doesn't really make sense. This makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But also, in 2018, you can't really do a house flipping as, like, your job. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, we've no had one... the housing bubble now. Well, and... and no one can afford to flip a house in New York City anymore. Like, no one can afford to flip a house, like, period. If you're in, like, the 0.11%, you can afford to flip, like, an entire apartment building. Maybe. Maybe. Right. So, yeah, um, but we see Will and Grace decide that they're going to buy this property. Mm-hmm. And then this is where things get a little hairy. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike this episode at all, but the plot gets really weird. It does. Like, it kind of leans really heavily on this thing where Will and Grace are kind of like, we're the flippers who care. Yeah, they keep talking about how they're, like, intending to make, like, uh, like a legitimate profit and they're not going to, like take advantage of anybody, mm-hmm. and then the first opportunity they yeah. have to flip a place, they're completely doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they basically walk in and are expecting to pay, like, you know, six to seven figures for this apartment. And Zandra wants, what is it, $2,000? It's $2,000 more than what she paid for it. Right, I believe right. is what she says. But the implication kind of seems to be, like, the grand total is, like, maybe, like, $12,000. Like, it's nothing. Else. Right, right. Because, I mean, like, the implication is that, like, she bought it, like, 50 years ago and has never left. Right. Like, they're not adjusting for inflation. Right. So it's clearly a steal. And in a certain sense, that's unethical. But on the other hand, it's what she's asking for. Right. I mean, if they were ethical people, they might, like, let her know, like, what the market value of the mm-hmm. place is and give her a more you know, adjusted offer, right. but they're not doing Like, I think that. the problem with the episode is less, like, that they get it from her for barely any money. Is that when they know that it's not being offered for the value it's worth, they only offer her, like, an extra, like, $200. Right, they're like, oh, Zandra, we can't possibly only give you $2,000 more. We're going to give you $2,225. And then Jack's like, hey, 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 I brought you to her. I should get a commission. They're like, great, your 10% commission is, like, two bucks. Right. Like, yeah, there's some very interesting math happening. It's almost like we're flying to Zaire again. Oh, man. <laughs> but it, then it, like, I like this plot line. I really want to like it. But there's so many bits of it that are just weird. Like, after they sell the apartment, Jack kind of comes into this, like, role where he's not, like, quote, the antagonist. But he's really antagonizing Will and Grace about it. Right. So, like, he brings Zandra back to view the place once they've already weird. worked on it. Which is, again, weird. Um, because we can assume if they've started to make changes that the, the sale has gone through and right. they have closed on this apartment. Right. And so Zandra is, like, then having, like, seller's remorse and basically like, oh, maybe I shouldn't leave. I don't like the actor's retirement home. Right. Adam West keeps running around without his shorts on or whatever. I believe it. Uh, yeah, fair fair enough. But then Jack sort of is like, yeah, guys, why don't you just give it back to her? And, like, no. Right, like, the episode, like, kind of seems like, leaning towards Will and Grace being like, no, we're not doing that because we're bad people. It's like, guys, you could just say like, no, we're not doing that because we've already bought the property. And begun to change it. And we have documents that have been signed that say that we own this place now. Right. Like, it would have been one thing if they had said, you know, like, we're clearly going to make a nice profit off of this. We could afford to cut Zandra like a better deal. Right. But that never even comes up as an option. Right. Instead, it's just Jack is sort of like haranguing them to give Zandra back her place. Right. 
And that's just not a thing. Like, again... You, that's just not a thing. It's not a thing. I just kind of remember back in the early days of the show when I used to complain about how this show has a really unrealistic approach to New York real estate. <laughs> this is another example of this, where it's like, you can just sell your apartment and then apparently demand it back even after you've closed on the apartment right. sale. Well, I mean, in a city where apparently Grace can get an apartment in Brooklyn and leave it three days later with no negative repercussions. You yeah. Know, this this show clearly exists in a fantasy world where real estate in New York is just like back and forth, left and right, and there's really lax real estate laws. There's no brokers, despite yeah. the fact that everyone knows you need a broker mm-hmm. in New York for any reason. Right. Like, being a broker seems like a job that Jack would have, and yet, apparently brokers don't exist. Yeah. So, yeah, we have Jack kind of, like, trying to get them to sell, like, not even sell, to just give the place right. back, which, no, again, is not a thing. And then his mind is again changed when Stuart comes to view the place. And Stuart is here this week, Stuart, everyone. Jack's boyfriend, Stuart, is here. And as you may recall, he is wealthy. And he is completely taken by the place and is like, oh my gosh, we should buy this and move in together. <laughs> and it's just like the, 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 the A plot of this episode is just kind of like all over the damn place. It's like right. flippers who care, but then they're assholes. But then the lady wants the house back, but then they don't give it back to her. And Jack kind of is mad about it. But then Jack's going to live there with his boyfriend. Right. Like this actually, the episode actually turns out very well for Will and Grace because presumably now Will is going to ha- get to stop paying for Jack's apartment across the hall. Right. Like assuming, and again, like let's all take a moment to sigh about the fact that Jack is apparently trying to follow in the footsteps of his lesbianic sisters and is you hauling with this guy who he's mm-hmm. been out with like twice, but whatever. Um, yeah, so we just, we see a lot of different things. But objectively, it seems like Will's coming out on top money-wise because he's right. not going to have to pay a second rent and he will have made a profit on this house yeah. he lives. And that is actually the kind of the funny thing about the episode is that the A-plot does kind of end on this very happy note. Yeah. Like, we know it's a two-part episode, so we know that there's more coming. Yes. But it feels like a completed plot line. Like, it's like, yeah. everybody gets what they want. Will and Grace get tons of money. Jack gets to be living with his boyfriend, and Zandra gets to die in the home she's always wanted to. Yes. Hooray! Hooray! We did it! God bless America. Yeah, it's got a kind of very, like, God bless America kind of <laughs> ending. Yeah, like, it's just, it's, uh, it's, everyone's happy. Grace is seriously very pregnant, because yeah. <laughs> Deborah Messing is so pregnant and then they also it seems a little bit like they're making fun of her a little bit like they're couching that in grace's behaviors like will makes an offhand comment about how she's been doing nothing while he's been like standing and lugging up furniture and painting and she's just been sitting there directing and because she's pregnant because she's pregnant and can't actually physically do any lifting because that's bad for the fetus I know that Will and Grace would never have done this, but I would have loved to see a version of this season where Grace is pregnant with Leo's baby, and it's just like, nope, it's not happening. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> She's just, like, in denial right. about the pregnancy. And, like, every week they're like, guys, I think Grace is pregnant. And like, she's, like, drinking a little too much. And then, like, like, the season finale, like, she just has a baby, and she's like, no, I never knew I was pregnant! And everyone, like, leans over to the nurse, and they're like, we nursed she was pregnant. Jack's a student nurse. In your uterus. The plot lines all tie in. Yeah. Of course, she's got to give up her baby then, and then she's a terrible mother, and then no one watches the show ever again. So I see why they didn't do it. Admittedly, yeah. Let's talk about other people who gave up their babies. Let's talk about Lyle and Karen. Lyle and Karen, Lyle and Karen. Karen and Lyle. Karen and Lyle. I love the dynamic of Karen, Lyle, 
Mini Driver, and in this episode, Rosario. Uh So much. Which makes what I have to say terribly painful. Mm. This plotline don't make no goddamn sense. It doesn't. It's sort of like the marshmallow fluff Mm -hmm. of of plots. Like, is is it a spread? Is it a foam? Is it... Marshmallow. What flavor is it? What Why it is it that color? Why is it that consistency? Yeah. Like, the episode doesn't even, like, properly reintroduce Lyle into the plot. Like, literally, yeah. Karen, in a line of fabulous exposition at the top of the episode, is just like, oh, me and Lyle are back together. We moved in together. And it's like, wait, what? what? No, yeah. that wasn't the place you left things. Yeah, literally, last play- last time we saw them, he was heartbroken over the fact that she had been attempting to use him to get back at Lorraine. Ah, uh, they changed their mind. And then they changed their mind, I guess, so whatever. So, you know, now Lyle is living there, Mini Driver is out on the street because Tebu closed. Yes. Um, and so she arrives at Karen's doorstep being like, you have to let me stay here. And objectively, she does. Like, Lyle is 100% right on this one. Like, if your daughter is homeless and you're living with a millionaire, you have, you have to, let, to her... let them in. Yeah. And so Even Mini- if you slept with the millionaire's dead husband. <laughs> so Minnie Driver moves in, mm-hmm. and Karen is just not having this. And the reason she's not having this is mostly because Lyle is, like, not a strict enough disciplinarian in her mind. Right, which of which, all the reasons what? for Karen to be upset, like, my dead husband's mistress is living here, the woman who threw me off a boat is living here, she looks better in miniskirts than I do. Nope, it's none of those reasons. It's just that Lyle is it's not, a like, brand new one. Yeah. parenting her appropriately in Karen's mind. Meanwhile, like, there's literally a throwaway line in this episode about how Karen is a good parent because when her stepchildren wanted to live with her, she told them no and sent them back to live with their mother. Mm-hmm. And threw them out of the home where they had lived all their lives. Right, and right. Et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's and really weird. It is really weird. I read in my notes that Karen is, like, legitimately a Disney villain this episode. She is. She's sort of, like, the evil stepmother. Like, she just kind of keeps, like, harassing Lorraine to just do things mm-hmm. differently. Again, Karen is always kind of cartoonishly evil, but, like, yeah. this episode is just really taking it to a different place. It's a weird plot. There's a whole bit about some, like, bran muffins that make you regular, and then she goes off on an entire riff about how the two things she can't stand are racism and constipation. Which neither is, of which is true. Neither of which is true. Like we, first of all, she's eating opioids like they're Tic Tacs, and she's as clearly a fan of constipation. Everyone knows people who abuse opioids cannot shit. So she is definitely, if not a fan of constipation, at least in cahoots with intimately constipation. familiar with constipation. And then also, she is a racist human. Like she, like in the same breath, is like says something horrible to rosario like who is a person of color like who then calls her the rosa parks of pooping yes which doesn't really make sense but okay feels accurate i think it was mostly just to like put her down due to its being dramatic irony what does it mean to be the rosa parks of pooping like let's really unpack that i don't want to like does it mean that you get to poop in a bathroom where other people don't get to poop or are you protesting for the right for people to poop whatever bathrooms they want i'm leaving my body right now <laughs> i don't want to talk about this anymore you don't want to talk about being the rosa parks of poop i don't want to talk about poop why not everybody poops false well not trying opioids i guess yeah what did i just say i was listening <laughs> But it's just, it's an overall very weird plot. And while it's very fun to see these characters interact, like, they're, the reason that they are in this space together is so tenuous mm-hmm. and bizarre. 
Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy to see them in this space because there are a lot of really funny, weird scenes. Mm-hmm. And yet, I don't want it like this. Like, I wish it was more developed or that there was more of a uh, direct plot. Like, right now, there's just not enough there right. to keep me satisfied for a long time. Like, even if they had decided that Lorraine was, like, stealing stuff from Karen, that right. would have pulled it together a little bit more because then Con- Karen would have, like, a concrete thing to point to, being uh-huh. like, you gotta make her not do this. But instead, it like it's like she's a child and she's like, I want chocolate pudding for breakfast. <laughs> and Karen's like, no, you must eat your bran muffin. And then Lyle is like, you can have pudding. And I'm just like... <laughs> What is she for? Like, get, grow up. Like She's two sixteen-year-olds, I guess. <laughs> that was one of my favorite bits. Was when uh, Lyle was like, "I don't know how to discipline a thirty-two-year-old woman," and Karen's like, "Just pretend she's two sixteen-year-olds," which was weird. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think this plotline probably is supported better by the fact that there's a part two after this. Uh-huh. I mean, we know next week there's going to be more flipping and flopping, mm-hmm. and probably they're going to resolve this plotline in a more final way um but it's right now it's very weird like it feels like we didn't get the full plot we didn't get the full story it's interesting because the other half of it seems very Mm self-contained and we know that these two episodes are like a part one and a part two but they did air separately right they weren't like a two-parter on one night yeah of all the um of all the to be continues that Will and Grace has done, this one's felt the least like an actual two-parter even with the Karen plotline that doesn't really get resolved like, it doesn't get resolved in the way that many plots on the show just kind of are there for fluff. Yeah. You know, when they're just, they're supporting a, a plot by giving it breaks to build up tension. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, literally, when I picture this plot, I picture an ambrosia salad. <laughs> like, you ever have one of those? It's like the thing where, like, it's like fruit cocktail and marshmallows and Cool Whip. Like, it's fluffy and sweet, but there's just very little substance. Mm-hmm. So I hope there's more substance next week. We could do some spinach. No, you don't want to put spinach in your ambrosia Or crouton. No. You know an ambrosia I just described the ambrosia salad. I'm just choosing to believe that those things aren't in there. But they are. They're not. You don't want spinach or croutons in your ambrosia salad. That is a savory-sweet combo that nobody wants to experience. (laughs) All right. I think that's all we have for this week, everybody. Uh, Tess, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us on the internet if they want to learn more about us? Yeah, if you want to send us your favorite salad toppings to put in your ambrosia salad, you can find us on Twitter. That's our main social media. We are at Not A Couple Show. But you can also find us on Facebook and on Tumblr. And if you want to send us an email, we have an email address. It is notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this podcast, good for you. It means you've already worked out that this podcast plays on iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify. All right. Thanks so much for listening to us this week, guys. Uh, We will be back next week for part two of the flipping and the flopping. Flip flop. Part two. Revenge of the flop. To flip. To flop. (laughs) Now I just want to be like flip flop two Tokyo Drift. (laughs) That's flip flop three. Come on, Taz. Is that that flip flop three? Yeah. Come on. Tune in next week for more flipping and flopping. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben, not a couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Liza. Thanks for listening. This episode was sponsored by New York Real Estate, a lawless land where there's no brokers and no hope.